This is the Sports Psychology Hour with Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I cannot express the gratitude what my son came and visited you. Dr. Jacobs has been in practice for 39 years as a sports psychologist. I have seen a change in youth sports in the last 10, 15 years. I've talked about it a lot on this show. The Sports Psychology Hour. The best advice on the radio each and every week. Failure and losing and screwing up is something that happens in life. It happens in sports. And I think we have to teach kids how to do that more effectively. This is where sports talk gets real. That word playing, it's gone from our society in a lot of ways with kids. And now here's your host, Dr. Andrew Jacobs. Good morning, everybody. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs, and along with my vibrant producer, Blake Schneiders, we are here to talk to you this morning, as we do every Sunday, from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. This is the Sports Psychology Hour, and our show is rebroadcast throughout the week in a number of cities and podcasted around the world. Actually, I've been looking at some of the statistics. It's pretty interesting. The show's being listened to over 50 countries throughout the world, and it's it's pretty cool to see how all this stuff works. Um, that that the show we talk about live here gets rebroadcast everywhere. Um, I love doing this show. I love coming in here, even though it's early here in Kansas City. Um, I look forward to doing this show each week because we talk about you. We talk about your life. We talk about mindsets. We talk about attitudes, how it reflects on you as an athlete, as a coach, as a person in the world of sports, but also in life. You know, and as we've been talking about over the last few months because of everything going on in the world and the crisis our country is in and all the problems we're having, you know, I try to talk about things on this show to try to help you deal with all this stuff. And let's face it, we're all trying to deal with it. I am, you are, we all are. Because every day it's something new. Every day there's another crisis. Every day there's something tragic going on in this country and in the world. And, you know, I, I was talking with someone the other day, one of my clients, and she just said, Doc, I'm just scared. I'm just scared about everything because we don't know what to do. We, we've never done this before. I said, well... I'm scared too. I think all of us are. Anyone who says they're not is lying because we're dealing with unknowns. But here's the deal. How are we going to learn from this? How are we going to grow from this? How's it going to make us better? And I said, that's that's the way I'm trying to look at it myself personally. That's what I've said to my sons. And that's the way we got to look at it. And, you know, setting goals daily, having something to work on, having something to focus on, will help you get through all this stuff. What are the things you're doing to help you get better, to make you stronger, to make you better? That's that's what I try to look at, and hopefully you are too. You know, every week I try to come up with a topic that I feel will be uh, worthy of discussion. And it doesn't really take much to find those topics because there's stuff going on all the time we can talk about on here. But one of the things that that's hit me a lot, dealing with a lot of people, is the word winning. You know, we hear this word talked about all the time. We're winning. We're beating these people. We're doing better than this country. We're doing better than this team. We're doing better than this this organization. What does winning really mean? And does it mean beating somebody? Does it mean coming in first place? Does it mean having to overcome uh, obstacles? Does it mean doing the best you can do? What does it really mean? 
At the same time, what's losing me? Throughout my, my career, and, and as I've mentioned, uh, the day after Labor Day, I'll be getting my 40th year of work in this field, which is really hard to believe. I've been doing it that long because it seems like just yesterday I was driving out to San Diego for my first year of grad school. I remember that drive vividly. And remember, I got to San Diego. I'd never been there before. I drove to the, got to the ocean, got out of my car, took off my shoes, just had on my tennis shorts and a t-shirt, walked up down the beach. Oh, Blake, I've never told you. Just walked down to the, the beach on the sand, stood in the waves, and I'm like, I'm here. I'm like, okay, now I gotta find a place to live. Anyway, but that was pretty cool. I, I can still remember that. And five great years in San Diego, I learned about a lot of things in life. I met Dr. Robert Nidefer, who was my mentor, introduced me to sports psychology, and I've been doing it ever since. And throughout my, my work, throughout these years of doing this, I've, I've tried to figure out, you know, what does winning mean? I, I was a tennis player, that was my sport, and I choked under pressure all the time because I wanted to win so badly. I won my share of matches, but I lost a lot of them too that I never should have lost because I got too nervous, I got too tense, tried too hard. I'm not embarrassed to say it, it happened. And anybody who played against me will know that. Had I known the things I know from my professional career when I played, I would have been a heck of a lot better. So what does winning really mean? That's what I wanna get into today. Does it mean coming in first or does it mean doing your best? And I wanna open up our phone lines. I know it takes a while to get calls because we're so early in the morning here. But if you're listening, I'd love to hear from you and get your thought on what does the word winning really mean? And how do you approach it? How do you, how do you handle it? And, and at the same time, what do failure and losing mean? Our phone number as always is 913-3810-810. If you're a coach, how do you teach your kids? What do you coach them? What do you guide them on on winning? Do you focus on, we've got to win the game, we've got to come in first place. If we don't come in first place, we're a bunch of losers, we suck, we're terrible. Or do you talk about self-improvement? My definition of winning is did you do the best you could that day? Did you accomplish your goals? I always say you can have you know 10,000 people go out and run a 10K road race and everyone who runs that race could be a winner if they run their best time. Yet they didn't come in first place. Only one person comes in first place and runs faster than everybody else. But if you did your best and you accomplished your goal, you won. Now, I know there are people out there who disagree with that. Oh, come on, Doc, that sucks. That's not right. You got to beat everybody. If you're, not if you're not in first place, you're not any good. Well, only one person, only one team comes in first place. How do we grow? How do we get better? How do we improve? I think it comes from self-introspection, looking at yourself, learning about when you fail, when you screw up, how can I learn from that and get better? And God knows I failed and screwed up and lost a lot in my life. And I hope when I have, I have tried to get better at what I'm doing. So I'd like to hear from you today. I wanna to get into a discussion with you. If you're a coach, how much do you focus on we have to win? Or how much do you focus on did we do our best? If you're an athlete, what do you think about when you're playing? 
Are you thinking about the score, the result? Are you focusing on the effort, the impetus, the effort you put into what you're doing? The motivation, the excitement. And what are you learning from what you're doing? We spend so much, you know, the United States spends so much time talking about being number one, number one. You know, I was fortunate enough to work with our U.S. cycling team for eight years. I was the team psychologist in the 84 Olympics where we won nine medals and won any in 72 years. They weren't all gold. Some were silver, some were bronze. But our goal with the, the, the guys, the men and women that I work with was, what is it going to take for you to do the best you can do today and continue to grow with that? I found throughout my career, that's really what winning is. It's about doing your best and growing and getting better. Because eventually, if you do that, you probably have a pretty darn good chance of coming in first place. Maybe you won't. But if you keep getting better, isn't that really what it's about? So I'd like to hear from you. Today's topic is what is the definition? What is your definition of winning? I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach. I'd love to hear from you if you're an athlete, if you're a fan. I'm in Kansas City. The Kansas City Chiefs won the Super Bowl. They came in first place. First time in 50 years. 50 years of not accomplishing that, but a lot of success along the way. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit NHTSA.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad. How do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? 
What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. Olivia, from Washington. <clears throat> Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. This is Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week as we talk about the mental side of sports, and today's topic is, what does the word winning mean for you? Does it mean coming in first place? Does it mean doing your best? Did you win at a competition, even though you didn't finish in first, but you accomplished your goals? How do you define that word? What does it mean in terms of sports, in terms of life? What does losing mean? What does failure mean? You know, I've talked for years on this show about my great uncle, Hearst Jacobs, who was a big inspiration for me growing up when he died February of 1970. He was the winningest trainer in the history of horse racing. He'd won 3,596 races. And what was unique about that was he put the saddle on all those horses himself. Today, you've got trainers have horses racing in 10 tracks all over the country when there is racing. They've got assistant trainers doing it. He did it all himself. And so I asked his son, my cousin John, one time, you know, how many races did your dad lose? And he said, you know, Andy, I never thought about that. And then he looked it up. He said, you know, he won a lot, but he, he lost thousands. You don't always have to come in first place to be a winner if you've accomplished your goals. Now, sure, you want to come in first. I'm not telling people, oh, you should come. You want to come in fifth place. No, you want to do your best. And coming in first is great, but did you accomplish what you wanted to do? So I'd love to hear from you. If you're a coach, if you're an athlete, you're a fan, what does winning mean to you? And what does losing mean? Does losing mean you didn't come in first? To me, losing is you gave up, you quit. You stopped. Now, there are a lot of reasons why people don't win. There are a lot of reasons why people fail. 
you get hurt. Maybe you did your best, but maybe you're against superior competition. So you lost lost the race, but you, you ran your best time. So how do you accomplish that? How do you do that? How do you look at that? And, and do you focus so much on the score, the result? Or do you focus on effort? You know, I've talked about one of the acronyms I use, FO versus FOR, FOE versus FOR. FOR is focus on results. FOE is focus on effort. And when you focus on your effort, you're concentrating on what you're doing. When you're focusing too much on results, you're looking around you. And before I get Blake to comment on this one, a good example, for years I worked with the Kansas City Blazers swim team here in Kansas City. At the time, when our head coach Pete Malone ran it, it was the top swim club in the country. Then it's fallen to disarray since he left. But nonetheless, one of the things he did was he coached a number of, of swimmers who went on to get college scholarships, five Olympic gold medalists, but a number of kids who succeeded. And I remember going to swim meets because as, as my son swam throughout the program, one of the jobs as a parent, you had to do volunteer hours, you had to be a timer, you had to do all kinds of things. And you know, when I'd go to these meets and I'd look at the heat sheet, so before, if you don't know about, much about swimming, they'll post the the heat sheets up there with the different heats of every every race. So you may have, let's say it's a 50 yard freestyle swim, there may be 10 heats of kids swimming and they have everybody's time listed on there. Well, the time might be, well, the time is their best time, but it may be a time they swam six months ago. And so oftentimes I'd have kids say, well, doc, I'm swimming against, look at his time and compared to mine. I'm like, what difference does it make? Or look at her time compared to mine. How do you know they, they're not in the best shape they can be in now? How do you know that wasn't several weeks ago and you're doing great? Why not focus on you? Why are you so worried about them? It's about the effort you put into yourself. So Blake, you played football. I'm sure you'd probably love to still be playing. I would love to still yes, be playing right I, now. Yeah. I figured, well, not at this very moment, but anyway. <laughs> no, right now, it's 6 too early, too early in the morning. <laughs> okay, but this these two words, winning and losing, Tell me what they meant to you when you played football, and now that you're away from it, what they mean now. So, in high school, I think winning and losing obviously had a different meaning to me because I started both ways. Uh, I was what you would consider one of the better players on the team. Uh, so when so I so you're won- on offense and defense, yes, and special teams. So I didn't leave the field much. So. If we lost, I took it really personal because I thought, hey, I was out here the whole game. There had to have been something that I could have done. Now, take that, then going to college football, I didn't play both ways. It's not obviously as common. It's pretty rare. I did play special teams, but you kind of get more of an idea of, hey, not that I would ever blame my team for losing, but it would be more of, hey, each loss now comes with a lesson to be learned. What could you have done while you were out there? Because you weren't out there every single play. So what could you have done while you were out there? And I think it, it, it speaks volumes to understand that as an athlete, just because you lost the game doesn't mean you didn't learn anything. Doesn't, doesn't mean you didn't gain knowledge while you also maybe didn't, you know, you find out you didn't either compete to your highest level. That's not a loss. You got to figure out, hey, what is my highest level to compete at? What did I take away from this game? Whether it's football, hey, I need to understand. I need to know my playbook better. I need to not drop a pass. Whether it's uh, baseball, hey, I should have. I should be a little bit more free swinging. Or 
Be a little bit more conservative. Don't be swinging so much. Be a little bit more choicey with the pitches that I choose. Or if you're a pitcher or playing softball or soccer, hey, you know, maybe I should have been a little bit more conditioned because in that 90th minute, in that 60th minute, I was gassing a little bit and we lost. Now, we didn't lose necessarily, and that was a. there's nothing I can take from it. I can always take something from the loss. So it's learning how to distinguish, yes, we lost on the scorecard, but what have I won in knowledge? What, what, what can I gain? What can make me a wiser and more knowledgeable player? So that helped you develop and get better. Very much so. So see, along those lines, I think one of the big concerns I have with youth sports is we spend so much time focusing on winning the championship and coming in first place versus development and getting better. And I know a lot of kids who have been damaged by coaches who are only concerned about you know, we lost a game and you screwed up and you didn't do your didn't you, you didn't do what you're supposed to do and you're a failure, we failed. And so to me, that's damaging to kids because you're putting too much pressure on them about the result instead of about their effort. And so, you know, my my focus with, with people is okay, to do your if you if your goal is to come in first place, what 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 do you have to do to do that? What do you need to do to do the best you can do? And if you did the best you could do and you came in third place, so what? Years ago, I worked with one of the swimmers on the Kansas City Blazers named Catherine Fox. And Catherine came on my radio show with her coach, Pete Malone. And we talked about her goal for the Olympics. And this is in Atlanta in 1996. Catherine is the first American Vietnamese swimmer to ever make the Olympic team. Great young lady, great parents. And she came on the show and said, my goal is to go to Atlanta and do my best. And a guy called up the show and, and started criticizing her, saying, you know, you're in the Olympics. The goal is to win the gold. That's what you're supposed to do. She said, sir, if I go down there and do the best I can, and I come in last place, but I swim my best, I'm going to be disappointed with the result that I didn't do better, but I'm not going to be upset with myself because I did the best I could, and it's the best of the best in the world. Well, the result was she went to Atlanta, won two gold medals and two relays. So that wasn't too disappointing. She came back on the show with Pete later on and asked to have that guy call. He never did. Because she did her best. She got two gold medals because she focused on herself and what she had to do. All right, what's your definition of winning? Love to hear from you. You're a coach, you're a parent, you're an athlete or a fan. On Sports Psychologist, Dr. Andrew Jacobs, give me a call. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio.
One in three adults has pre-diabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has pre-diabetes, with early diagnosis, pre-diabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has pre-diabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. America, your children have an amazing superpower. They can help save lives by not having playdates. That's right. By replacing get-togethers with virtual playdates and video chats, they can help slow the evil spread of germs. And if your superheroes do go outside, make sure they continue their superhero wing by staying six feet away from others to protect everyone in America land. Find out more at coronavirus.gov. A message from the CDC and the Ad Council. Let's be honest. The National Symphony may not be in his future, but he wanted to try violin. So you said yes because you love him. And if you love him that much, love him enough to make sure he's buckled up and in the back seat. Find out more about keeping your kids safe in your vehicle at nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Show them you love them. Keep them safe. Visit nhtsa.gov slash the right seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Today's topic is this. What does winning mean? What does losing mean? What, what are those words? What, what is the value those words have in our lives? I'd love to get some calls in here and discuss that with you. If you, if you play sports, if you are a fan, if you're a coach, if you're an athlete, if you're a parent. If you're a coach, do you always talk about we got to go out and win today? Or do you focus on we need to go out and do our best today? What, what's the game plan that you have when you talk to your team or to your athletes? Yes, the score does matter. But in the end, is it the score or is it the effort that matters the most? And how do you approach that? You know, if you're a coach, what do you 
teach the kids. To me, it, it score is something, and in our book, Just Let Them Play, Guiding Parents, Coaches, and Athletes for Youth Sports that I co-authored with Jeff Montgomery and Pete Malone, we talked about this. And Jeff being an, an all-star pitcher, the, the all-time saves leader with the Kansas City Royals, knows a little bit about this. And Pete, who coached for 40 years, which is as long as I've been doing this, ironically now, coached thousands of kids. We talk about when when does the score really start to matter? And you know, in our opinion, it shouldn't really matter until you're about 13 or 14. Before that, it's what are you doing to get better? What are you learning? When, when, you, when you failed, when you didn't accomplish your goals, instead of getting berated and insulted and degraded, if you're a coach, what are you talking to the young person about? Like if, it, if, if, if you're coaching a baseball team or a softball team and the batter strikes out, typically that young person is going to be upset, come back to the dugout, maybe hanging their head, maybe disappointed. Some little kids may start crying. So if you're a coach, do you say anything to them? Do you glare at them? Do you go put your arm around them? What do you do? Or do you say, great effort. Do we get them next time? Let's see what you can do next time. And then in practice that week, let's, let, when you struck out, let's talk about what happened there. Do you ask that young person how they felt, what they thought? Or do you just tell them? I found that good coaches are good listeners as well as, you know, being a good communicator means being a good listener. Ask the athlete when they screwed up or made a mistake, didn't accomplish their goal, why not? What did they do and what do you think they need to do to get better? To me, that's what coaching is. Not getting mad at them because they struck out or missed the free throw. You know, I always like to talk about this Packers-Seahawks playoff game several years ago where in Seattle, Seattle was behind and they're coming back and they end up winning. And there was an onside kick that Seattle made to Green Bay and Green Bay's third string tight end jumped up to get the ball, went through his hands, hit his helmet and the Seahawks recovered. He goes to the sideline and there's still a couple of minutes left in the game. The Packers special teams coach ripped off his headset and went over to this guy and was just in his face just going ballistic. He'd be pulled away by a couple other players. This guy's sitting there with his head in his hands and I'm sitting there thinking that coach quite frankly was wrong. Okay in my opinion. Some people may say no because I'm sitting there thinking well did he do that on purpose? Did he deliberately let the ball go through his hands and hit his helmet and, and, and screw up? There's still time left in the game. He was out for more plays. So this coach is sitting there screaming and yelling at him. So what do you think is going through his head? He's not focusing on what he has to do. He's worried about screwing up again. Blake, do you agree? Because you played, right? If you had a coach scream at you, and I'm sure you knowing you with your energy level, you probably screwed up once in a while. Probably from overexertion would be more often than not. Just a little bit. Okay. So, did you have a coach berate you and get it? You probably oh, had yeah. somebody do that. Yeah, yeah. I, and ha- okay, so be honest with me. For you, that probably motivated you, knowing no, you. No, a little I, bit, a little, or did it? Did it? it did it bother you? It depends on if I like, kind of in that same situation. It's situational. Was it warranted? You know what I mean? Well, because but, it, but in, did you have? Think about a specific example right now. Yeah, oh yeah, I got where one. you screwed up 
and a coach just laid into you. Yeah. Tell us about it and uh, how it made you feel. Well, this particular one that I'm thinking of, um, the, I, the, the mess up was actually a miscommunication on the coaching staff's part uh, due to a, a personnel that was supposed to be out on the field, but they did not say the proper personnel. And then I got yelled at for not being on the field when the person who was supposed to be calling the personnel, the offensive coordinator, didn't say the right one. So, But the coach didn't realize he didn't say the right one. So instead of taking onus and saying, hey, that was my fault, I messed up, he stayed silent and allowed me to be berated and saying, what are you doing? Why aren't you out on the field right now? We got Tiger out there. And it's like, well, we didn't call Tiger. We called Jet. Or we didn't call anything at all because nothing was said. There's Did you a, say that to him? Yes. Well, knowing you, you would. Okay. Of course. Okay. You know, I'm not just going to stand you're not, there. But you're not afraid. But some people are. Oh, and so, yeah. So yes, if he, okay. 100%. I mean, and how did that, how, okay, hold on. How did that affect you? Oh, at, in that time, I, I shut down for about uh, f- quite a few plays, man. I, I went over to the sideline. I was I was extremely upset because not only was I mad that I was falsely yelled at, it just I was still young, so it hurt my pride. Okay, so so but he, okay, go but ahead and finish. The rest of the game, I didn't get to play offense, but I had one job the rest of the game. I knew I I still had to play special teams. And I said, you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to make sure I make a tackle every single play the next, on special teams. So, so at least you it's going to be my goal. It, you use that as a motivator to help you. Yes. It was definitely crippling, though, at first. It, it, for all you kids who have been yelled at, I, I understand. It is intimidating. It hurt, like It hurts your core. And, but you got to be able to, to move past it and but you, use and it. You've got to learn how to handle that. But my whole yes. point is, if you're an 8-year-old playing soccer and you miss a play, screw up, and the coach starts yelling at you, that doesn't accomplish anything productive. No. Okay. Not at that If you're young. 14, 15, then it's a little bit different. But still, you know, I, I know I know college coaches who get in their, their kids' faces, but after practice they put their arm around them, and they know they're doing that to help them. Now, I've said for years, a good coach is a good psychologist, a bad coach needs a sports psychologist. I should probably make T-shirts with that. Anyway, the I'll fa- buy it. Would you buy one? Okay. Yeah. Oh, twenty bucks. Okay. So, <laughs> anyway, here, here, here's the point. A good coach is going to be a good listener, and a good coach, being a good psychologist, is going to understand their athletes. So they're going to know what motivates them. They're also going to know what stymies them, what 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 holds them back. And so, to me, this this is the whole thing where I talk about win, winning. To me. Is winning and losing are results. It's the effort. Okay, yeah, everyone wants to come in. No, I, I don't know anybody who goes out to play a sport who doesn't want to win. However, you define that yourself. Maybe winning means, you know, I just want to finish the day and play and do my best. Maybe it means I want to, I want to beat this guy or beat this young lady. It's my goal. Okay, fine. But in the end, you have to look at it. What What did I do to get there? Did I come, Did I do the best I can? Winning to me is not the result, it's the effort. Failing and lose, failing means you didn't accomplish your goal. Now, if you failed, what do you learn from it? How do you grow from it? How do you get better? That's what it comes down to. And, you, you know, years ago, Herm Edwards was the coach of Kansas City Chiefs, and in a very famous interview with him, he said, you play to win the game. Well, in the NFL, yeah, you play to win the game. The goal is to get to the Super Bowl. 
Every team isn't going to get there, obviously. Here in Kansas City, it took 50 years before the Chiefs went back. Some teams have never been there. That's the goal. But what are you doing personally, individually, to get better? Self-improvement, self-focus is what it comes down to. I'd love to hear from you if you're a coach. I'd love to hear if you're a fan. I'd love to hear from you if you're an athlete. What does what do winning and losing mean to you? What's your definition of those words? And when you don't win, when you fail, when you lose, how do you react and respond to that? I'd love to hear from you. Get into the discussion. Get your opinion. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. We're on the Leader in Sports, Sports Radio 810 WHB. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist with 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development. Our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com radio. That's winnersunlimited.com radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com radio. One in three adults has prediabetes. One in three. That means it could be you, your football buddy, your football buddy, or you, your best man, your worst man, you, your dog walker, your cat jogger. While one in three adults has prediabetes, with early diagnosis, prediabetes can be reversed. Take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. That's doihaveprediabetes.org. Wait, did they just say one in three adults has prediabetes? That's 33.33333% of adults. That means it could be me, my boss, or my boss's boss, or me, my favorite sister, or my other sister. That's seven members of my 21-person romantic book club. <gasps> Wait, the one in three could be me, my karaoke partner Carol, or ugh, my karaoke enemy Jeff. I'm going to take the risk test at doihaveprediabetes.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council and its pre-diabetes awareness partners. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe.
Brought to you by N Family Fire, Brady and the Ad Council. This is the Sports Psychology Hour. Hello again, everyone. I am sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. This is the Sports Psychology Hour from our flagship station, Sports Radio 810 WHB in Kansas City. I'm here every week discussing a topic I think is worthy of conversation. And today's topic is this. What what does the word winning mean? What does it really mean to win? Does it mean coming in first place? Does it mean accomplishing your goals? Love to hear from you if you're an athlete, you're a coach, you're a parent. What are your thoughts on it? You know, we play sports for a lot of reasons, for health and fitness, to exercise, to learn about success and failure, to learn about reaching your potential. And obviously today, with the scenario we're living in, with sports being stopped, you know, we're in this this terrible time of crisis in this, in, the, in the world, especially in this country, where so many athletes are now not even able to play you know schools are being virtual instead of in person sports are being canceled for the season i know so many people are distraught about it but obviously there's the safety of everybody is most important and yeah it'd be great i mean i love sports i love being a fan i love as people know i love one of the chiefs games i've talked about it on this show I'm not going to do that this year from a safety perspective, even though they're going to let some people in the stadium. I'm not going to go just because I'm 65 and I'm just being careful about who I'm around. And I'm sure they're going to handle it just fine out there the way they have it set up. But how comfortable will you be? And that's up to you individually. And, and, and that also comes down to this whole topic of winning and losing. Okay. I've, I've found throughout my career because I've had the privilege to work with great athletes in 1990 I saw George Brett win his third batting title for years I worked with Nick Lowry who was the top field goal kicker in, in the NFL with the Olympic cycling team I mentioned we, we won all these medals but it was a, it was about effort it was about focusing on what you can do there's a swimmer I worked with years ago and she wanted to do well in the NCAAs her first three years in college, she didn't do very well. She was at one of the top qualifying times going into, into the NCAAs, and she didn't do very well. And we worked on her confidence. We worked on her focus. And I remember the first session we had, I, I drew a staircase on a piece, piece of paper. And I said to her, we are right here at the bottom stair. Your goal is to get to the top. But you can't jump up five stairs at once. you got to take it one step at a time, maybe two. So every meet, every competition she went out and swam, her goal was to swim a faster time than she swam the week before in that event. And I remember she asked me, well, shouldn't my goal be to win and come in first? I said, ultimately that's what you want. But to get there, to utilize your strengths, you need to focus on self-improvement. And pretty much with the exception of one meet throughout the year, her times got faster and faster. And she pretty much came in first most of the, almost all the time. But that, that was not the emphasis. The emphasis was on getting better. And then she got to the NCAAs and she broke three records the first two days of competition, three American records. And 
one in the prelims, one in the finals in one event, and one in the finals in the other, and came in, and, and came in first place in both. And then in a relay, she broke the record again. Because our focus was on doing her best. And she swam next to her idol, next to a woman who ended up being a four-time Olympian and beat her both times because her focus wasn't on her, it was on herself. What do I have to do to do my best? When you when you sit there and, and you know, obviously I'm here in Kansas City, fan of the Chiefs last year, and, and, and this is, I think, a great example of this. The Chiefs playoff game against Houston, they're down 24 to nothing at the end of the first quarter. A lot of people would have given up. And I don't know any of these players personally, but I, I know from listening to them talk, Patrick Mahomes talked on the sidelines. Come on, let's focus on our next play. Let's go out there. Let's try to score right now. He wasn't saying, oh my gosh, we're losing. We're behind. We're in trouble. He focused on, let's focus on the next play. All of a sudden, boom, halftime, it's 28-24. Chiefs are ahead and went on to win. In fact, it was 41-24 before Houston scored again. Because the focus was on their effort. And to be fair, not just talk about Kansas City teams, New England Patriots in the Super Bowl against Atlanta a couple years ago were down 28-3 to at halftime. What did they do? They won in overtime because they had the same approach. Tom Brady's emphasis was on, let's go out and execute. In the second half, they came back. Winning is a result. Losing is a result. Success and failure are not results. They're how you look at it. And so I think if you are an athlete or you are a coach, what are the goals you have every day at practice? What are the goals you have in the game? Yeah, you'd like to, to come in first place. You'd like to win the game, but, you know, in terms of the score, but do you want to accomplish what you want to accomplish? Do you want to get, if you get better every week, you're winning. Maybe you don't come in first place, but you're winning. I mean, I've worked with runners forever, with, with endurance athletes forever, and, and triathletes. There's a triathlete I worked with last year, and, and her goal was to keep getting better. Swimming was her weak area. So she really emphasized her, in her training how she could improve. And she got better because she focused on what she had to do to get better. I think that's what it comes down to in the end. If we, if you play, a, if you coach, let's just talk about that. If you're coaching, I think one of the most important things you can do for the athletes you coach, like I started off, get to know them personally. Why are they here? I don't care if it's an eight-year-old or a 25-year-old. Why are they on this team? Maybe they're just here, just want to have fun, just want to play, want to learn, want to grow. Great. Maybe they're here because they want to get a college scholarship or they want to play professionally or they have aspirations to be an Olympian. So what are you doing as a coach to help them get better? Or do you focus too much on the result? I've just found, you know, throughout my career that if you can focus on the effort, what they're doing to try to, make, to get better, what they're doing to try to improve, you are doing them a great service. But if you're focusing too much on the result and on the score, then you're putting too much extra pressure on them and they're not going to do as well. If you're listening to these podcasts, think about it. If, you, if, you're, if you're a coach, 
what's been the emphasis of your coaching career? I've had many coaches on this show, and we've talked about how you succeeded. Coaches who coached for years and years. And yeah, if you you you, you, you want to win the championship, you want to come in first place. That's that's a great feeling, but in the long run, did the kids you're working with get better? Because if they continue to get better on a weekly basis, on a, on a seasonal basis, eventually they're going to get where they want to go. And I think that's what this is all about. And I think, this is just my own personal opinion, I think we spend too much time in this country focusing on results and not enough time focusing on the effort we put in to get the results. And yeah, I mean, professional teams, they're out there, I mean, let's face it, if you're a professional athlete, your goal is to come in first place, your goal is to win. Winning meaning coming in first. But only one team's gonna win that championship, but every team can continue to get better. You know, the PGA's going on right now. Everyone wants to win the tournament, but the goal is, am I playing my best today? Am I doing the best? So I think if you look at it that way as a coach, and you focus on that emphasis with your athletes, they will get better, and then in the end, maybe they will come in first place. Just my opinions, what I've shared today. Blake, thanks for your comments as always. You know, I, I, I think here's the key thing. You know, right now, if you do get to play sports, and let's face it, right now, it's it, there's a, safety issues are prevailing across the country. Lots of kids are not able to play. Their seasons have been canceled. So in the meantime, what are you doing to work on yourself to get better? I'm going to focus on that more in the next few weeks. What are you doing to get better? Because that's what it's about. I'm sports psychologist Dr. Andrew Jacobs. I hope you enjoy the show. Our shows are podcast here at Sports Radio 810 WHB. They're also podcasted on my website, which is winnersunlimited.com. Just redid our website. There's a lot of good stuff on there. They're on SoundCloud, Apple, iTunes. You can reach me several ways. You can send me an email at drj at winnersunlimited.com. You can follow me on Twitter at drjsportspsych. And you can give me a call at my office, 816-561-5556. Love to hear from you. My goal is to help people get better, and that's what winning means to me. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Sports Psychology Hour. For more information, go to winnersunlimited.com. I'm Dr. Andrew Jacobs. As a sports psychologist... With 38 years of experience, I've worked with athletes, coaches, parents, and officials, assisting them at learning how to handle issues like sportsmanship, self-confidence, developing a positive, realistic attitude, and achieving maximum performance. I want more people to know about the importance of having fun, learning from failure, and that winning is about doing your best. That's why I created the Sportsmanship Foundation, a 501c3 educational organization dedicated to promoting and educating parents and athletes about the role of good sportsmanship in our development, our priority is to help bring back the fun into youth sports. If you're interested in learning more or making a donation, go to winnersunlimited.com slash radio. That's winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Doing your best, having fun, and becoming a winner. The Sportsmanship Foundation at winnersunlimited.com slash radio. Olivia. 
from Washington. Laid off and trying to keep our little kids from realizing that mommy and daddy haven't eaten in a while. Roger, from California. I'm grateful we could afford our son's surgery. I'm nervous that now we can't really afford food. Daniel, from California. Choosing whether to pay the rent or pay to fix the car to get to work doesn't leave us with much at all. Now we can't even pay for meals. Donna from Louisiana. The storm just hit, and we went from donating to the food bank to needing it. Keisha from South Carolina. I've been skipping meals so my two kids can eat, but filling up on water doesn't really work. Hunger is a story we can end. End it at feedingamerica.org. Brought to you by Feeding America and the Ad Council. Hey, Dad, how do airplanes fly? What's in this box? Can I touch this? Where does sand come from? Is this tree good for climbing? What happens if I mix these two things together? How are babies made? What does this thing do? Kids are curious about everything, including guns. Talking to them about gun safety in your home is a good first step, but you can do more. Always keep your guns locked, unloaded, and stored separately from ammunition. Storing your guns securely is the best way to prevent family fire, including unintentional shootings. For more information on safe gun storage and ways to keep your family safe, visit endfamilyfire.org. That's endfamilyfire.org. What do we keep in the attic? What's this thing called? Can I ride my bike backwards? Like I said, kids are curious. It's up to us to keep them safe. Brought to you by End Family Fire, Brady, and the Ad Council.